Good morning. As we get started today, I wanted to kind of recap where we left off two weeks ago and let you know that we're going to continue to put out messages on Facebook and um, send out text and that kind of thing. I wanted to encourage you guys, if you don't uh, have the Faith Life app, to go ahead and go download that. Um, the benefit of that is, like for today, there will be a digital bulletin there that will have an interactive outline that you can utilize if you'd like to do that. It's also going to have a few announcements in there. Um, and also it has the option for online giving. We'll talk about that in a minute. I'm going to post uh, as often as I feel necessary for the next couple of weeks. I don't want to blow you guys up, but I also want to keep you informed on what's going on. If you don't do Facebook or um, any other social media, having that Faith Life app is a great way for you to keep up. I'm going to do my best to post things there as well so you guys know what's going on and what we have uh, happening and what the needs are so that everybody stays in the loop. So, um, yeah, that's good. And I wanted to um, to let you guys know that as we're kind of working through this, just like everything else we do, um, we need to continue to ask God um, how we are to spend our time while we're at home, how we need to handle our finances. Um, as you guys know, there are um, needs both here locally and abroad. This is a um, huge thing that the whole world is going through. It's not just here, obviously. And we need to make sure that we are listening and asking God um how he's calling us to help meet those uh, needs. Um, and so one of the ways we do that is through our faithful giving uh, as God leads us to um, someone in your life group, for example, may be out of work for the next foreseeable future and need some help. And so we need to be staying before God about how we're going to handle our finances so that if we do need to help, if God calls us to do that, that we, uh, we were able to. Glenn found out uh, yesterday morning that there's a, a very serious need in uh, Romania in our community there. Their um, schools are out just like ours are, but unlike our local schools, their schools are not providing any meals. And so um, there's been some conversation about how to take care of that. At one point, I think the staff was even um, considering forfeiting their salary so that those kids could get fed. But we're going to be working with another child foundation, but also asking God how he's calling us to support. And so the elders are praying through that. We'd like to ask you to join us in that. Um, but there's going to be a lot of needs that come over the next couple of months. And so one of the ways that we can help is to just ask God. And it may not be money. It may be our time. It may be other resources that we have. But we need to be uh, keeping ourselves before the Lord on that. Um, so there's a lot going on. And I know that we're not able to get to get together like we want to, and that's a little bit sad, but it doesn't change uh, our call as the body of Christ to love one another and and to do that well. So I want to encourage you guys, since we're not able to be together, that we take advantage of um, the extra downtime that we have by spending time with God every day. Um, depending on how long you've been staying home, you may be getting a little restless, um, but as I talk about so often, uh, our perspective, the way that we choose to look at the situation is going to make a huge difference in how we experience it. Uh, I would encourage you guys to ask God for his perspective as we're going through and, and um, this, you know, stuff where we find ourselves in, in the middle of this COVID crisis. So, um, and I don't know about you, but I recently been asking God for a little more time with him because I really need that time and I value it. And, and here's our opportunity. We're encouraged to stay at home. And, and so, um, find a quiet place. If that means you got to get up before the kids or step after them, do whatever you need, but spend some of this time when you're going to be home with the Lord. And, um, and that's going to make this incredible for us because as we're abiding in God's love, um, abiding in him, we're going to get an opportunity to show 
His Love in a Broken World, uh, which is the subtitle of our series. And it's no accident that God's got us in this study right now. Our world is literally breaking and falling apart. But in the midst of that, God still loves his children and he still desires for us to make him known. The way we communicate with others, whether it's on social media or text or phone calls, all of that can help shape their perspective as well as shape ours. So we want to be an encouragement to our brothers and sisters, but most importantly, we want to share the truth of what we're discovering as we seek him. Okay. So during our message, um, our last message on Ecclesiastes, we discussed the following things to help us understand the book and the perspective um, that we need to have on it. And so I wanted to run through a few of those things because it's been two weeks. Remember, we paused last week to discuss some church planting things. So I wanted to run back through these briefly just so we all have our proper lenses on. So the book of Ecclesiastes presents a problem. And the problem is, is that life is upside down. The righteous receive the reward of the wicked and the wicked receive the rewards of the righteous, right? And so the answer to that problem is that we need to enjoy God's gifts as he intended for them to be enjoyed. Um, we talked about illusion and the fact that this, the language of this book points us back to Genesis and God's intent for men and women when he created them. So as we read this passage today even, we're going to see some allusion back to the garden. And so we, when we read those things, we need to recognize them and, and help it help us to, to understand that as the teacher is talking through this, these things, his intent is for the audience, both when it was written and for us now, to remember the things that happened in the garden and to help that inform uh, how we live life today. Uh, this concept of fearing the Lord is something that we've talked about, and that just simply means living in right, right relationship with God. We call that abiding. Okay, And then lastly is this word, hevel, which can be um, defined in a lot of different ways. Uh, we've talked about before, hevel is a lot like a word like bread. It's a very generic term that can um, also be interpreted in some very specific ways. And so when we see that word, we need to look at the text. We need to look at what's going on. Uh, in the context around that word so that we can understand the reason that the author or the way in which the author is trying to use that. And so Hevel can mean meaningless, vapor, breath, idle, temporary, or being like Abel from the Cain and Abel story. It's, a again, a general word that's often translated in a specific way, which can sometimes lead to misunderstanding if we're not looking at what's going on in the rest of the text to get some context clues. And so um, if you'll remember, when we started this study at the end so that we could read through this book through the lens of its conclusion, um, two weeks ago as we looked at the end of this book, we, took, we had two main takeaways. And they were that our lives are temporary and upside down. We're going to talk about that some more today. Uh, the, res the result uh, or the reason that we live in that is a result of the sin that entered the world in the beginning. Um, and that sometimes life is just hard. And all of that is not that way because God intended it to be, but it's a result of the fall of man. And then the second thing we talked about is that the whole of man is to love and obey God. We were created to be in a relationship with God, and that is where we will find rest and peace and joy is in that relationship. And that by knowing God by experience, we can understand what it means to really be human. And we talked about that that's the gospel. The gospel is to love and to obey God. And the way we do that is by walking through life with Him, by abiding in Him. So as we start today, I want to keep those things in mind so that when we dig in, we have the proper perspective. So so before we begin today, let's just take a moment. If you need to pause the video, pause the video, um, and let's just pray together and ask the Lord to speak as we study His Word this morning. So let's pray. 
Father, as we get started this morning, I just want to ask that wherever we are, if there's distractions around us, um, if kids are running around acting like crazy fools, or if we're sitting alone, Father, I ask that the things that may try to distract us, that you would eliminate eliminate those things. Um, Father, if it's um, that we need to, to slip away somewhere quiet, or if we need to just pause and just spend a moment with you, if we need to just worship, whatever it will take for us to be able to hear from you, Father, I ask that you would, would speak those things and prepare our hearts to hear from you this morning. Father, we love you, and we thank you for this technology and the opportunity for us to spend some time with you and with one another this morning, even though we're at a bit of a distance. We love and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to start today with Ecclesiastes chapter 1, okay? And we're going to read verse 1 first. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit, and then we'll dig into the, um, the following 10 verses after that. So Ecclesiastes 1, 1 says this, These are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. Okay, so seems like a pretty straightforward introductory thing, right? Well, there's a lot in there. One of the commentaries I read this week um, said the following. It said the teacher's goal was to enlighten his assembly about the importance of wisdom. And so you say, where do we get wisdom out of that passage? Well, there's a reason that they are pointing to who they believe the author to be. And uh, if you hadn't had a chance to, Russ did a great video on that. I encourage you to go, even if uh, you want to do it right now, pause this, go watch that video because it's going to help you understand where I'm going from here. Okay, but point number one I want to make today is that wisdom is important. I want you to think for a moment about the wisest person that you know. Okay, take a moment, close your eyes if you'd like to. And I want you to see them, like really see them. I want you to visualize that person's face in your mind. I want you to think about the details of who they are. If it's somebody close to you, perhaps a grandparent or a mom or a dad or a mentor, I want you to take a moment and really dive deep in this. I want you to think about how their voice sounds. I want you to think about the texture of their hands, the way they smell. Um, just take a moment and really consider that person. You haven't? For me, that person, one of them is my grandfather. My grandfather used to wear Old Spice cologne, and so when I think of him, that smell immediately comes to mind, and that's a really great feeling for me, okay? So, got that person in your mind, I want you to ask yourself, what is it about them that makes them wise? Have you ever thought about that? How did they arrive at that status? Did they take a class to become wise? Of course not. But there has to be something, right, that brought them to that place? Is it just their age? I don't know. I would say no, but I think it certainly plays a role in it. I mean, you've heard the saying, um, a person is wise beyond their years. Obviously, the length of someone's life has a role to play there. So what is wisdom? I've been studying this this week, and here's how I would define it. Wisdom is a, a proper action or decision that is the result of the application of experience. It's the result of the application of experience. Experience. It seems like I've heard that word somewhere before, right? We talk about it all the time. We talk all the time about knowing God by experience. And what's the advantage that that gives us? Why do we do that? We do that because we're able to know God in a way that we cannot know Him by simply studying, right? Like you can study about God your whole life, but not know who God is, not understand his character or the way that he speaks and the way that he moves through people's lives, right? 
So when we apply what we learn in God's Word by walking with Him, by obeying His directions, we gain experience that informs every other area of our lives. We call that abiding, right? So at the very beginning of this book, they introduce this speaker. Again, it says, These are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. The teacher is introduced so that the reader can understand that the person that is addressing this crowd or that's writing this book isn't just some Yahoo who can write, right? The person who penned this was a man who spent his entire life walking with God, learning and making application of all that he has experienced. And the application of those experiences is what he's sharing with us. That's what we're reading. Those are the words that he's written down. Because we now understand where the teacher's coming from, the background that he has, when we read these words, no matter how rash or blunt they may sound, we can know that he isn't just saying things for effect. These are things that he's learned over the course of his life. He's learned by experience as he, as he applied this. Understanding that wisdom comes to a person over the course of their life is important, and it's something that we know by experience as well. Think about this. Have you ever been given advice by someone that you know is speaking outside of their experience and your gut tells you that this is just not good advice? But equally important is when someone who is speaking from experience tells you to do something that seems a little bit crazy, but you find out by experience that that they knew what they were talking about all along. I'll give you an example. So years ago, I was the purchasing manager at my day job, and part of that position was selling and the billing of parts for gas pumps, right? So I spent a lot of time on the phone with people, helping them figure out what parts they needed and then shipping them to them, okay? And conversations would typically go something like this. I would phone would ring, I'd pick it up and say, um, you know, a guy would say, hey, I have a problem with my pump. And I'd say, okay, sir, what kind of pump do you have? And old Billy Bob would say, I have a blue one. Okay, let's just pause right there for a minute, okay? And I want you to think about the ridiculousness of that answer, right? Like, that's like going to the mechanic or calling and saying, hey, can you fix my car? And them saying, what kind of car do you have? And you say, I have a blue car. That tells them nothing, okay? There's a point to this. Hang on. There's a point to the illustration, okay? So this one per day in particular, I had spent a couple hours on the phone with this guy, helping him troubleshoot some issues, and we finally figured out what he needed, okay? I gave him a quote, and he asked me to ship the parts to him, so I did. Okay. What he needed was some O-rings. If you don't know what that is, it doesn't matter. All you need to know is that they were about 83 cents a piece. Okay. In other words, they were really, really cheap. Okay. So I packed up what he needed, made the invoice, put them on the UPS truck, standard freight shipping as he, as he requested and got them out to him. So the next afternoon he called me and he was irate because the parts total on the invoice was one penny off of what I quoted him. It was a little, a little caveat in the tax. Okay. And, and he, had, he was even more irate that he had to pay more in freight than what the parts cost, okay? Now, he asked for the shipping, okay? And now I am beyond irritated. Like, can you believe this guy? Like, he called and was fussing over a penny on like a $10 invoice, which to me just seemed quite ridiculous. And so I decided I was going to sit down and write a letter to this guy. And you guys know what kind of letter I'm talking about, right? Like, we all write those kind of letters in our minds when somebody acts a fool, so I really put some, some time into this letter to try to really explain uh, my viewpoint. And I was proud of this thing. Like I'd put some serious work into it. But something told me 
that I shouldn't send it out, but I really wanted to. So I went looking for some justification. So I go across the street and I let my dad read it. Okay. He laughed and told me I couldn't send the letter, but I rebuttaled. I was like, Hey, this guy needs to understand he's being an idiot and he's being a jerk and he doesn't need to act like this. And so my dad told me something I'll never forget. He said, well, if someone's acting like an idiot, they already know. And you telling them is not going to change a thing. Okay, so my dad went on to share that that he learned this lesson from the man that founded our company who had spent his life dealing with all kinds of people and had learned by experience how to handle those kind of guys. Okay, that was some wisdom right there. And it's been a lesson that stuck with me and it's guided me ever since. But this this guy, Mr. Ayers, that, that ran our company, he had learned that just because you feel a certain way, you voicing those feelings doesn't always mean that the other person is going to accept that. And a lot of times, you're just wasting your breath, right? So for us, we're here at the beginning of this book, and, and we're given some perspective on where wisdom from this teacher is coming from. And we need to keep in mind that just because what he's saying doesn't quite add up for us, He is speaking from experience that we haven't had yet. So we need to listen. We need to spend time meditating on these things if they're difficult and ask God to show us how to then apply those things to our lives. So let's look at the following verses. This is verse 2 through 11 in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again and the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new. But actually, it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past. And in the future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. So in these verses, we see this word, especially in verse um, two, we see this word hevel again, okay? And I just read it from the New Living Translation, um, and there it's translated as meaningless. So let's read that one verse again, but in a different version so that we can get some context for it. So this is in the English Standard Version. It says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. So that's a little bit different. We see this kind of phrasing all through Scripture, and I read it in the ESV this morning because I want you to see this connection, okay? It's a way of communicating when they say things like the, like vanity of vanities. It's a way of communicating the highest or the greatest of something. Like an example of it would be in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27, where it says in that uh, passage, heaven and the highest heaven. In Song of Solomon, verse 1 in chapter 1, it says, Song of Songs. Or in 1 Timothy 6.15, it says, King of all kings and Lord of lords. Okay? So to follow that train of thought and, and the understanding of the various means of hev- meanings of hevel, the teacher is communicating a truth that we need to really understand. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that life is fleeting, right? He gives us this truth, and then he follows it with examples of what he's saying. But before we go there, let's talk about the temporary nature of our world and our lives for just a moment. 
Okay, again, incredible timing for this particular passage and, and what's going on with this global pandemic, right? We're in the middle of COVID-19 and it's changing our world and it's changing people's lives. Consider for a moment the people who have lost loved ones to this illness or the people that are separated from their families so that they don't infect one another, okay? Now, I fully understand that there are a lot of different viewpoints on this topic, and I have no desire to step off in that this morning, but what we can all agree on is that it is having an impact in the lives of every person on earth, right? There are varying degrees of impact, but it is or very soon will be touching every person. If someone would have said a year ago that there would be anything that could have, that could have happened that would have a global impact of this scale, they would have been dismissed, right? Why? Because people, especially here in America, had the misconception that we were invincible. We had been we so completely placed our trust in our military might, our economy, the healthcare system that we felt like nothing like this or anything else could really touch us. Right? We worked hard, we invested heavily in those things, and believed wholeheartedly that we were covered. Right? Now we see those things we trusted are powerless to prevent what's going on. We're in the midst of an experience that's changing how we see our country and our world. Because of what's happening, we have a much excuse me, because of what is happening, we have a much better understanding of what the teacher is saying. We are gaining wisdom by applying the truth of scripture to our current context. Okay? We're gaining wisdom by applying the truth of scripture to our current context. One of the things that can happen during our quarantine is that God can reveal the area of our lives which we are dependent on this world instead of on Him. In verse 3, the teacher points out that all of our hard work is hevel. We can toil away at things that we think are important, but in the end, those things will pass away. Look at it with me again. What do people get from all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows and turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. The water returns again and the rivers to the rivers, and it flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here's something new, but actually it's old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in the future generations, no one will remember what we're doing now. You know, we can look at this uh, passage and be really depressed by it, right? Or we can see it for the blessing that it is. Again, it's all about perspective. Um, I don't know if you've seen this little video going around Facebook the last few days, but there's a guy who washes his hands, and then he turns off the dirty faucet with his clean hands, and he's like, oh, man, now my hands are dirty again. So he gets soap on his hands, he cleans the top of the faucet, and he turns the faucet back on, washes his hands, closes, turns the faucet back off, goes to open the door. Oh, man, my hands are dirty now because the doorknob was clean. And he just goes round and round and round in a circle uh, until he eventually gets out of the bathroom. Okay, And it's funny because it's true. Like As we've been being very cautious about uh, washing our hands and not touching our face, which I've done like two or three times already in the, in the short recording of this, we find ourselves over and over again having to do the same things because we keep messing it up or we keep um, running into something else that's messed us up, okay? Unfortunately, the same is true for our lives. 
I don't know if you've noticed this or not as you've meditated on this passage over the last couple of weeks, but we spend our lives like a hamster on a wheel, right? We've all seen those. They run, 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 and then they trip, and then they go, woo, 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 in a circle as the wheel is continuing to spin, <laughs> right? It's adulting, right? Okay. Working really hard, giving our best effort, but ultimately not really going anywhere because at the end of the day, at the end of it all, we find ourselves not satisfied, right? So point number two I wanted to make today is we need to invest in what is eternal, right? Two weeks ago, we looked at this passage, but we need to see it again today. It's Matthew 6, chapter 19 through 21. It's one that we're familiar with, but hear again the words of Jesus. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will be also. Look, as a culture, there's no doubt that we are focusing on things of the world. We chase after a better job, promotions, bigger houses, nicer cars. And many of us have and continue to be suckered into believing that those things are going to bring us fulfillment. Now, those things in and themselves are not bad. In fact, God may be telling you to pursue one of those things or other things. The problem is not the thing. The problem is that we often allow those things to be what we focus on and seek satisfaction in. And then we look up one day and realize that we allow those things to become the priority in our lives. Or at the very least, we allow them to cloud out what God's intent was behind telling us to pursue those things. I've shared this with you guys before, but for years I struggled with something. When God called me to be bivocational, I struggled with the idea of that for a long time, and my struggle was that I was feeling like I was wasting my time. It felt like a waste because I couldn't see the eternal value in this secular job that God had given me. From my viewpoint, I went from spending all of my energy focused on ministry to nearly all of that time and energy being spent on just completing some what I thought were meaningless tasks. I prayed about it for a long time, and I finally realized that If God had called me to work this secular job, then there must be a really good, but more importantly, an eternal reason for that. For me, it was in realizing that the job itself wasn't eternal, but for me, it was about the relationships that I had the opportunity to make that was important. God had given me a way to invest in the lives of people that I could have never met or had an opportunity to meet if I worked full-time in a church. So we take the that and we apply it to our own lives like as we're stuck at home how do we invest in things that are eternal i want to challenge you to think about and ask god about these things while you have this time at home i want you to 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 ask yourself and to ask god is your life and the and the work that he's called you to is it centered on him or is it centered on something else if it's if it's not centered on god ask god what he would have you change If it is centered on God, what are the eternal aspects that he's called you to? Ask God how to bless those people that you get to do life with through your job or through the relationships that he has. And then ask God to align the desires of his heart with yours. Excuse me. Ask God to align the desires of his heart with your heart, right? Let's ask God what he wants us to do. And feel free to add to that list. But we need to allow God to give us an eternal perspective on life. When we focus on things that don't last is is when we experience disappointment. It's because we 
give those things more weight in our lives than they were intended to have. If we can allow God to change what we treasure, then we will begin to experience life the way God intended it. God's given us all that we need to experience joy and peace and fulfillment. He's given us himself. And that's what he created us for. And that's where we're going to find our ultimate satisfaction. So this week, allow God to use his word to help you gain wisdom as you make application to your life out of what you're reading in scripture. Let him help you to see uh, how short life is so that we can move beyond what is just temporary and we can put our, our focus, our hearts, we can invest them in things that matter. And once we realize the eternal um, things that are in our life, then we're going to begin to experience what God truly intended for us. Okay, so this week, um, move into the next section, and we're gonna we'll have I'll put up a, um, a slide on Facebook and Life, uh, the Faith Life app to help you see what section we need to do next, and give a little commentary on that perhaps, and be sure and watch those things for announcements. And I love you guys, and we'll see you soon. Bye bye.